0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. So glad that you are here today. And also want to take an opportunity to thank those of you that are joining us online or maybe you're watching by way of television today or uh, possibly listening to the podcast. So glad that you are are here, and so, well, today we're wrapping up this series of messages that we have called a new season, and uh, this has all been a focus on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and one of the things that we've wanted to kinda really center in on is that the Holy Spirit is actively involved in our everyday lives. We often think of the Holy Spirit as, as an it, kinda this spooky thing that just kinda hangs out here, but the Holy Spirit, as we've said over and over again, is God, he is a person, and he loves to be involved in your life, working alongside of you. Scripture says helping us, our comforter, our counselor, our friend, and are so thankful for the work of the Spirit in our lives. And we've looked at this over and over again, kind of the premise for the whole series has been that new seasons emerge from fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. And some of us, what we need, what we need desperately in our lives is a new season, something fresh from God in our lives, and it happens, it comes from a fresh encounter with God's Holy Spirit. Now I'll let you in on a little secret. This whole series, like everything that we've looked at the last eight weeks or so, started in my little brain. Anybody else have a little brain? (laughs) Started in my little brain with what we're going to look at today. I feel like this whole thing has has led up to what we're gonna see today. So grab your Bibles with me, print, digital, if you're here in A1, A2, watching online or television, turn with me to Acts chapter 19 today. And we're gonna look at this, and uh, as you turn there, each week we've had a prayer that we've built off of. Here's the one for today. Heavenly Father, in this new season, may your Holy Spirit bring to me anointing for today anointing for today. What's what's anointing, you might ask? Well, we could unpack this through a lot of scripture. Let me give you a snapshot. In the Old Testament, when someone was commissioned to God's service, they would be anointed. Oftentimes oil would be poured over their head. It happened to the priests. it happened to the king, someone who was commissioned to serve God in a unique way. And then in the New Testament, both Paul and John, who wrote letters, these apostles, use this same language of anointing. Oftentimes we will anoint someone with oil and the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I need anointing from God. Anybody else? in my family, in the work that he's called me to do, in the challenges I face in in the world around me and the world inside of me, anybody? (laughs) I need anointing. And yesterday's is not good enough. I need something from him that gives me the Holy Spirit's presence in my life for today. So when we turn to Acts chapter 19, I want you to see something about the urgency with which Paul communicates. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. We've talked about Ephesus these last three weeks. In fact, if you've been with us, we've read this scripture a lot and have used this context as the springboard for the things we've looked at. Because of all the churches that Paul founded, he spent twice as much time in Ephesus. We've already kind of made a case for why, especially the latter part of the New Testament, Ephesus is one of the most strategic and significant places that we read about in our Bibles. And so this is key. This is essential when Paul comes to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, (laughs) We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And my guess is that some of us could actually probably relate to those disciples. Maybe you've heard the term Holy Spirit. They'd probably heard the term before. They just didn't know that you could have interaction with him. And that's maybe some of you. This is new to you to go, wow, the Holy Spirit could be at work in my life. And maybe for some of you, you go, well, I've heard that <laughs> but I've never really experienced it for myself. I I either didn't think it was for me or I've not been in a position to experience it. And others of you might say, well, there was a time in my life when I felt like I knew the Holy Spirit or he was vibrantly involved in my spiritual life. But now I can actually relate more to these people who say, yeah, we've not even heard that there is such a thing. And then Paul asked, "So, so what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus, and on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There's something so unique about this passage of scripture because Paul is so adamant with them. Like you you don't see really Paul like this anywhere else where he basically gets right in their face right away and says, can I tell you what you need? Like he, he cuts right to it and he wants them to know that what they need is the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. And I would contend with that in mind that we need anointing for today. We need the Spirit's presence in our lives that I do, that you do, that the church does, that those that we know need to experience his presence, that we need anointing for today. Anybody agree? So as we look at Acts chapter 19, we're going to do the the same kind of thing we did last week. If you remember last week, we kind of had a declaration that we said together. It It was essentially a prayer. That allowed us to take the things we were reading about in Acts chapter 19 and then apply them into our own lives. Here's kind of our, our declaration of our prayer for today that for who I am, for where I live, and for the things that are ahead, I need the Holy Spirit. You, why don't you read this with me? For who I, for where I, and for the things that I need. So this is the framework we're gonna look at today, kind of pooling from thoughts in Acts chapter 19. I wanna start with kind of that opening line for who I am, because I wanna encourage you, you, for who you are, you need the Holy Spirit. Who, Who was Paul confronting when he asked this question? Acts chapter 19, verse one, says that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul is speaking here to these disciples in Ephesus. He wants them to know, even though they don't know really who the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives, to these disciples, he says to them, you need the work of the Holy Spirit, you need the presence of the Holy Spirit, you need the person of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And we can have a tendency, if we're not careful, to kind of think that the work of the Holy Spirit is for someone else. That his work might not be for us. That what the Spirit did so uniquely in the Bible, he only did for Bible people. So this was for the folks in Ephesus 2,000 years ago but it's not, it's not really for me. Or you might go, I, I, I suppose the Spirit still does things in people's lives, but it's probably for pastors and the super holy. Have any of you spotted the super holy as you came in today? <laughs> Look, the reality is that's just not true. The gift of the Spirit the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives isn't just for Bible people, it's not just for clergy, it's not just for spiritual superstars. Look, I, I know some of you are probably a little disappointed because you came in today thinking we were gonna have a Palm Sunday message. And I, got, I, I missed the memo, sorry about that. And instead he's kinda got us back on Pentecost Sunday. We fast forwarded about you know seven or eight weeks right but here's the deal on pentecost sunday the day of pentecost acts chapter 2 we were there several weeks ago that's when the spirit was initially poured out on the church really the inauguration of the church on that day peter says this acts chapter 2 verse 39 he says the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far out far off and for all whom the lord our god will call anybody know who, anybody who's far out <laughs> or far off, it's for all of them. It's for you, not just for Bible people, clergy or super holy, it's for all of us. And my contention today is that you need the Holy Spirit to which you might go, eh, do I? Maybe you don't. Maybe everything's great, maybe maybe you're doing just fine. But I wanna maybe give you some thoughts about this you might ask the question, why do I need the Holy Spirit, Chad? Well, like, why are you adamant about this? Why was Paul adamant about this? Why did Paul stress this so strongly with that church in Ephesus? Well, let's get a little context for this. Now, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need the Holy Spirit. But maybe just think about this with me for a few moments. And let's use Paul's own words to talk about the Holy Spirit. So, Acts chapter 19, where we've been, he's writing, or he's, he's with people in the city of Ephesus. Later, he writes a letter to the church in Ephesus called Ephesians, and multiple times he talks to them in the book of Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, about the work of the Holy Spirit to tell them what the Spirit does. Here's one of those things. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the, help me out here, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better that's really cool cuz he says that when you need wisdom when you don't have the insight you you go i just i need some wisdom here have you as a parent ever said god help me anybody <laughs> cuz i don't know how to think about this have you ever been in a place or interacted with somebody and you just go something doesn't seem right here i just i can't put my finger on it it's like I'm seeing it, but I'm not seeing everything that's really there. Paul says the Spirit comes and not only gives us wisdom, but gives us revelation. What does that mean? Well, he, he pulls back the curtain and reveals what's actually going on. And have you ever been in a place where you say, I need wisdom, I need revelation? Well, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. When God brings us wisdom in our lives, he does it through his Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit at work. so let's just take a quick informal poll. Anybody ever needed wisdom? Can you raise your hand here in at home? Auto time too? All right. <laughs> then you need the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another example. Ephesians chapter two verse 17 says that Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. for through him we both have access to the Father. By one spirit. So he says Jesus came to bring us peace. We find it because things are right between us and the Father. And the way that happens is through the Holy anybody <laughs> Spirit at work in our lives. Anybody ever felt like your life was in chaos? Wish for some peace? That peace comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of peace. So when you feel like you need it, when you can't gather your thoughts, when it seems like things are spinning out of control, when you're nervous because of all the people who are coming over to celebrate next weekend. Anybody? (laughs) You need peace. Ephesians chapter two, verse 22. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his his spirit. So the Holy Spirit not only brings to us his wisdom, he not only brings his peace, but the Holy Spirit is the spirit of God's presence. He literally dwells in us. So if you've ever felt alone, if you've ever felt desperate, if you've ever felt like you were trying to do this by yourself, know that you're not because literally God's spirit, the spirit that is like Jesus, John tells us in his gospel, is the Holy Spirit And he dwells in you. Uh, Let me give you another one. Ephesians chapter three now, verse 16. says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Have you ever felt like your tank was empty? (laughs) Not just physically, but even spiritually, emotionally. And you're just like, I don't know that I can keep going. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have what it takes. Well, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of power and he comes to strengthen us and he comes to empower us and give us what we need. Last one, Ephesians chapter four, verse three. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond Of peace. The Holy Spirit is not only the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of peace and God's presence and of power, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of unity. So in those places in your family where there's conflict or those places in your work where there's tension or those places in your community where you go, I don't know how this is going to be resolved. What we need is the presence of the Holy Spirit because he's the spirit of unity who can come in and can bring restoration and can bring healing. Now, look, if you've ever been in a spot where you've needed any of those, and maybe you don't, (laughs) but I know I sure have. And if you've ever been in any of those spots, you need the Holy Spirit So the Holy Spirit is for you, he's with you, he comes alongside of you, which takes us then back to our declaration. For who I am, and for where I live, and for the things that are ahead, I need the Holy Spirit. So let's zone in on that line for for just a moment. For where I live. Not necessarily talking about your address, and yet in some ways I am. But where you find yourself right now, personally, professionally, maybe blow it out a little bit and think even culturally, you have a need for the Holy Spirit. When Paul confronts these disciples, the Bible says there were 12 of them, when he confronts them in Acts chapter 19, and he says to them, have you received the Holy Spirit? My contention is... He did that for them in Ephesus because he knew if anybody needed the Holy Spirit, it was the people living in Ephesus. Why? Well, historically, we looked at this a little bit a couple weeks ago, uh, Ephesus was religiously pluralistic. What does that mean, Chad? Well, they had one goddess that they worshiped there. We'll talk about her in just a moment. Her name was Artemis. But they were also known to have at least 50 other gods that were worshiped by the people in that community. Like, archaeological findings have proven sites and altars and temples to at least 50 other gods that were recognized in that culture. So it was not at all uncommon for someone to worship multiple gods, multiple places where they put their worship and put their affection, and it was really unique in that place, the religious tolerance that was there. On top of that, there was this influence of Artemis, who was the main goddess. If you can remember back to school, you might have studied the seven wonders of the ancient world. Anybody remember that? And, okay, uh, your social science teachers are all embarrassed right now, but there was uh, seven, seven wonders of the ancient world. One of those was the temple of Artemis in Ephesus, was considered one of those wonders. It was the centerpiece of their culture and society. One of the months in their year, named after Artemis. They had Olympic style games that they regularly participated in. They were in honor of Artemis. Even this, this, what we call the cult of Artemis was the center of their savings and loan uh, system in that region. So even their financial institutions went right back to this goddess that they worshiped. That idolatry was at the very hub of who they were. It also led them into all kinds of other practices with regards to how they treated other people, to the immorality that happened in that culture, and you add on top of all of that, this idea of magic and spirit powers, right? So you take a a culture where people worship all kinds of things, where they have, and if, if you read Acts chapter 19, you'll see maybe as much or more than any other chapter in the book of Acts, it's just fueled with all this spiritual activity They believed in magic. They believed in spirit powers. They believed there were good spirits and bad spirits. There was occult arts and shamanism, and they believed that they could harness spiritual power if they would do the right rituals and incantations and prayers, almost like spells that were there. So now you see that when Paul says to them, hey, you've got to step away from your old way of life and move into a new way of life. When you read the opening chapters of the book of Ephesians and you see how Paul is showing them just how great Jesus is, he's doing it for a reason, isn't he? (laughs) Because he's calling them to walk away from the spiritual experience they had in the past, and Paul is saying to them, as a guide for their life, I'm telling you, you need the Holy Spirit. Right at the beginning, he says to them in this crazy, multi-spiritual, tense environment, you need the Holy Spirit. How thankful they can be that someone came and said that to them. A couple years ago, for Christmas, we decided to mix it up a little bit, and instead of uh, like giving gifts as, as much as we typically would to everybody in our family, we really scaled that down, and then used some of the money that we would typically spend on gifts, and we took a trip together, because we knew our family was kind of all going in some different directions. We were like, this would be kind of cool. So we decided we'll go in January. That's when it worked, and if you live in Ohio and you're gonna vacation in January, you go south, don't you? <laughs> so let's go to Arizona because I hear snowbirds go there and thrive. Let's do it, right? So we go to the desert, and we go to Phoenix, and we get out, and we're like, oh, this is beautiful. It's warm, and there's palm trees, and you are all back here in the snow, and I bless God, for, he loves me more, like all this kind of stuff, right? And then we're like, well, let's go check out some different things. So we went up to like the Page, Horseshoe Bend, if you've ever been up there, we went to the Grand Canyon, and a friend of mine had said to me, hey, look, if you're gonna go there in January, you might wanna prepare yourself, every place is not Phoenix like you're, you're gonna go up to some elevations where it's actually gonna be cold. And the reality was we couldn't hike the trails at the Grand Canyon because we didn't have the right equipment because they were all covered in ice, Now we went to Sedona. Anybody ever been to Sedona? Like beautiful, just the red rock formations and that kind of stuff. So we're doing some hiking. We're we're kind of out, you know, taking some of the trails and we're doing this. And so we're doing one of them, seven of us in our family, and we're kind of a unique mix because there's a couple of us that think that the higher you go, the closer you get to God. So there's no stopping them. And the reality is, at the pace they go, I think they want to go meet God. Like, that's what I think they're doing. And then there's other of us who are like, hey, let's take it a little slower, this kind of stuff. So we're, we're hiking these, these trails, and I'm kind of the guy that's stepping back and going, when, when does some of this not get wise for all of us to do together? Like, should we, should we be doing this? Right? So you're kind of gauging some things along the way. So you got the overachievers at the front. you got some other folks in the back. You know, We're trying to do this. And then there's this one spot where literally there's just this real narrow little kind of, you know, uh, somebody may know English. I'm, I'm looking for a word. <laughs> uh, crevice or whatever. Yeah, you all said it at once. I don't know what you said, but you know what I mean, right? you got to go up this way. But it's also the same way that other people have to go down. Right, so what you have to do is, as you're kind of doing this, you have to get these little spots where you move out of the way so they can come down, so you can go up, and there's this process. And I'm saying to myself, I need to ask some of these people what it's like. Like they did some recon. So as people are coming down, I'm I'm kind of like, Hey, how much? How much further we got to go? And uh, what's it? What's it like up there? And how many? The worst part was you're in these little spots, and then they'd be all slick with ice. Right. And so you're trying to go straight up and all you're doing instead is going straight down, you know, this kind of thing. So I'm asking all these questions and finally I see some people coming down and the spirit of pride kicked in and I was like, well, if they can do it, (laughs) I can do it. You know, kind of thing that gets you because the whole way I'm trying to say, if I'm going to make this journey, what's it going to take? Like, how am I going to do it? because there's slick spots ahead and there's dangerous things along the way and there's a lot of unknown that I don't know how to handle. So the best part was, and we made it to the top by the way, thank you very much, but we did it in part because someone helped us to know what was ahead. Paul saw the disciples in Ephesus and he knew what was ahead. And the spirit inspired him to say, this place is not like any other place. There's something going on here in the spiritual realm that if these people are not equipped, they are not going to be able to make it. It's different here. And so Paul says to them, you need the Holy Spirit because without him, you're not gonna be able to make it. He was their guide for the journey ahead. Look, would you you mind if I kind of nerd out with you for a few moments. Is that all right? Yeah. Some of you are like, you kind of always have been a nerd, Chad, so help yourself, right? But like, understand this. When you read the book of Acts, you the first, I don't know, first at least seven chapters all happen only in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a very different place from Ephesus. Like, it's not the same spot at all. Let, let, me, let me, if you don't mind getting nerdy here for a couple minutes, let me compare and contrast this with you for a little bit, because there's a big difference between living in Jerusalem and living in Ephesus, right? For one, Jerusalem is almost exclusively Jewish, Whereas by the time you get to Ephesus, you're dealing with Gentiles, right? So here you've got this Jewish religion, right? So there's a religion that is at the heart of everything that they do. And you see this when you go to Jerusalem, but when you go to Ephesus, it's very, very different because we already said there's 50 different gods there, right? So not only that, Jerusalem is a religious place, whereas Ephesus is more of a pagan place, very different culture, very different values. Part of that is, especially for the early church, that in Jerusalem, you had a scriptural knowledge that was common. The people there all knew the Old Testament. They lived by it. The whole city was based around it. So they could lean into those scriptural teachings. But by the time you get to Ephesus, they they don't know the Old Testament. They're scripturally illiterate. They they don't know the same stories that the people in Jerusalem would know. On top of that, when you're in Jerusalem, now you have a place that is monotheistic. Mono means one, Theistic means God, so they recognized there was one God. Not in Ephesus, it's poly, meaning many. We knew they had at least how many? (laughs) At least 50 other gods that they would worship in that place. So what that means is even with that then, you have God's temple at the center in Jerusalem, but you have this goddesses, this kind of evil spirit, whose temple is at the very heart of what's happening in Ephesus, That means that in Jerusalem, they're familiar with the spirits that are there. But when the believers get to Ephesus, they're they're dealing with whole new territory. It's unfamiliar what's happening here. And then we don't have time to unpack it, but when you're in Jerusalem, you share a certain sense of moral purity. There was a morality that was common there, But at the very heart of all of this pagan interaction, and sorry you can't read that there, but there was open immorality that happened. It was very different. That's why when you read the book of Ephesians, Paul stresses ideas about sexual purity, about moral living, and you just look, Jerusalem is a very different place from Ephesus, is it not? So when you get to Ephesus, now you understand why Paul says to them, you need the Holy Spirit Because spiritually, morally, culturally, kids, you ain't in Jerusalem anymore. This is a whole new place. And I looked at that list. And I thought to myself, I think I used to live in Jerusalem. But wouldn't you say that our culture looks a whole lot more like Ephesus than it does Jerusalem? Jerusalem? For some of us, especially those of us who grew up in the church, we can have a tendency to think that we still live in Jerusalem, but you're not gonna have to take long in media or social media or just leaving your house to know that the world we live in is a whole lot more like Ephesus than it is Jerusalem, isn't it not? Which tells me that Paul's question to the church in Ephesus is the same question that this pastor's supposed to ask you today. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Because you need him. In the world in which we live, you need him. And some of us are, are still trying to get by on an anointing from yesterday when what we need is God's fresh anointing for where we live today. Does that make sense? Some of you are fighting battles and you're frustrated because you can't get past that temptation or you can't figure out why your life doesn't seem to move forward or you're just frustrated because you, you seem to not move forward in your walk with God and the reality is you're struggling fighting those battles because you're still using Jerusalem's technology when you actually live in Ephesus. Like it, one of the things that's been at the forefront of our Uh, the last couple of months has been the war in Ukraine, right? And what's interesting is, is through social media and through cable news and through so many other things, we've had a front row seat where we've literally been able to watch how technology has been used to fight warfare, haven't we? It's fascinating to think of some of the things that can be done. So imagine that you were gonna go out and you were gonna fight an enemy force today And they have all the modern technology and all you've got is George Washington and the Revolutionary Forces. How are you gonna do? You're gonna get mopped up. Your cannons are no match for a activated drone, right? Because oftentimes what we try to do is we try to fight our Jerusalem battles when we're living in Ephesus. Look, you can't lead in Ephesus like you live in Jerusalem. You need something more, which is why Paul says, you need the Holy Spirit. Some of you are frustrated, you're disappointed, you're even feeling defeated, and the reason is because you're trying to do it all on your own, like you live in Jerusalem, and you don't live in Jerusalem anymore. You're fighting a battle in Ephesus. Have you ever heard the definition of insanity? It's when you do the same thing over and over again, And expect different results. The reality is, some of you are frustrated because today's the day you need to say, God, I can't do it on my own anymore. Let's go back to our declaration. You need to say, for who I am and for where I live and for the things I have ahead, I need the Holy Spirit. What what do you think when I read that all caps line there? for the things I have ahead. What do, you, what do you have ahead? Maybe it's some dreams in your life, some things that you go, I think, I, think that's, I think that's what I'm headed for. Others of you, it's challenges that come right to your mind right away. You know the challenges you face and what's ahead for you. Others of you, I, I say what's ahead and, and you go with angst, I don't know, I really don't know, it's the unknown. Some of you, you feel like there's maybe something stirring inside of you that God wants you to do for him. You know, we, we kind of opened that up last week. We talked about doing what we can and mentioned that, that we would love to, if God's stirring in your heart, we'd love to invite you to get involved in the things that are happening at Calvary. And so we had the tables and the balloons if you stopped out in the back of the atrium last week. And we had over 100 people come out and say, I wanna get involved somewhere at the church. And that's awesome, isn't it? I think we should celebrate that. And so I, I, I said, man, 100 people, that's awesome. And Leah says, yeah, that's great. And it takes about 500 people a month to make things happen at Calvary. And I was like, oh, 100's not that great, is it? It's awesome. But God still may be stirring in your heart to get involved in some way. Maybe you're watching online. So, man, I want to get involved in some way. You can click on a link that's there or go out to our website Or I would encourage you if you're here in Auditorium 2 or in in the room today, that you stop by out at one of those tables in the atrium and find out how you can get involved in the things that God is doing here at Calvary. Maybe that's what he has ahead for you. So some of you just look at the things that you have ahead and say, God, I don't exactly know how this is gonna go. I don't know what this means for our family. I don't know how to navigate this new season. I don't have the answers to the questions. I just know I need help. And Paul knew that for the people in Ephesus. So that's why in Ephesians chapter five, he brings up the Holy Spirit again. And he says this to them, Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. We read that in our English translation and it sounds like a one-time thing. So go and be filled with the Spirit. But if you look at that word for be filled in the Greek language, it has this idea of something that continuously happens. It's a repeated act. So if we wanted to really read this, it would say instead be filled and 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 be filled, and be filled, and be filled and be with the Holy Spirit, right? It's, it's not something that happens once. It's a repeated action in your life. So if you're looking at the things that are ahead and you're not sure how this is gonna work, my encouragement is be filled with the Spirit because he wants to come alongside of you and do all those things that we looked at. He wants to empower you. He wants to help you. He wants to fill you for the things that are ahead. I think some of you know, back in 2019, uh, I'd put it off for a long time, and I just really felt like it was the right time, and I went back to school to work on a master's degree that I had started years and years before and was, was going back to school, and so I started that in the fall of 2019, and then in 2020, we decided to have a pandemic. Do you remember that? So you've got all these things. So i just be really honest, and I know a lot of you have a whole lot more on your plate than I can even imagine, but like I work a, I work a full-time job, and that's true, actually. Some of you think I work one day a week, and uh, I work Sundays and Thursdays, thank you. So I have my job, <laughs> right? And then I, I went back to school. And then with the pandemic, it's a whole new ballgame, right? Many of you know this from your, your areas of leadership or employment or even just as a, as, a, as a family member. It's like, man, we're trying to figure out how this thing works. And can I be honest with you? I had some pretty tough moments where I was like, God, I'm not enough. Because I would look and I would go, I've got a sermon I have to preach on Sunday in some pretty dark times. And God, I got nothing. And Lord, I've got a paper due at the end of this week. And I don't know how I'm ever gonna get it done. And Lord, there's a bunch of people that have a ton of questions. And I have no idea what to do. And God, I'm overwhelmed. I don't think I'm gonna make it. And I can tell you as clear as day, I can remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me and in my heart I heard him say, I will give you the anointing you need for the moment you're in. I know it seems overwhelming and I know you're not sure how you're gonna make it but you can rely on me because God will give you the anointing you need for the moment you are in. That's the beauty of being filled with his spirit because when you're filled, you have a reservoir to draw from. You have a place you can go back to. You have someone you can trust. And I saw this happen in my life over and over and over again during that season and sense that God will give you the anointing you need for the moment you're in. That's a great promise, isn't it? Except I said to him, God, I know you will, but could you send the anointing a week early, anybody? I'd love it. Just, if you could email it as an attachment, just three days before. I'd take it. And he said, I could. But if I did, you'd think you did it. And it was my spirit doing it. Because it's not by might and it's not by power, but scripture says it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So I don't know what moment you're in. (laughs) I don't know what season you're facing. I don't know where your schedule or your family or your grief, or your disappointment, or the challenge you've taken on that God called you to, has you right now, I just take it from a recovering overwhelmer. (laughs) God will give you the anointing you need for the moment you're in. So be filled with his spirit. Then, chapter later, He goes back to the Holy Spirit and says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He tells them, Don't just be filled with the Spirit, but he tells them to pray in the Spirit. That's a unique language there. I would encourage you with this as well, that you should pray in the Spirit. That there are moments where we can pray in a way that's not just us on our own, but where we connect with God's Holy Spirit, and we pray in a way that, I mean, he's he's honestly here talking about spiritual warfare, if you remember from two weeks ago. He's saying here, you move victory forward in your life when you pray in a way that connects you to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. That's a cool promise, isn't it? Which you go, well, where, where's that come from? It brings, it brings up a unique point that we've read through a couple of times but never talked about. It's explicitly in Acts 2 and in Acts chapter 10 and again in 19. It's kind of veiled in what we read in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 11. Let, let's go to 19.6 because I think this will just spell it out. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they speak in tongues and prophesied. Sometimes when we read these texts, we just try to scoot right past the speaking in tongues part because we're not quite sure what that means. We're not really sure we understand it. Like some of you may have come from a church background that when people talk about speaking in tongues, you just go, freaky. Right, that idea that the Spirit might empower you to speak in a language that you've not learned, that God's Spirit would actually be able to communicate in a way through you, And so some of you have come from a background where you've heard this, and the conversation is, well, that's just weird. Those people are just a little wacky. And maybe you've actually heard, well, that's not from God, because God did that then, but he doesn't do it anymore. And so there's all kinds of different concepts and ideas that are out there. Calvary is what, in the, in the realm of Protestant churches, what would be referred to as a Pentecostal church. And the idea is that on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, this isn't your typical Palm Sunday message, and on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Spirit was poured out on that day. And since that day, as we read through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit has been at work. And what we believe as a Pentecostal church is that everything that the Holy Spirit did in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit's still doing today. So we have believed that the Holy Spirit was at work bringing salvation to people through Jesus Christ in the New Testament, he's still doing that today, agreed? And we believe that because the Holy Spirit healed people in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit still heals today, true? And we believe that if the Holy Spirit set people free in the New Testament, then we believe he's still setting people free today, true? And we believe that the gifts of the Spirit were in operation in the New Testament, that God still works in those same ways today. That's what it means to be someone who believes in being filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. To, di- to which you might then ask the question, Well, Chad, you speak in tongues? Because I I don't know that I get it. Then I don't know that I understand it. And some of you might even go, I had some bad experience with it. So you you do that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna push one thing aside and assume that that you've you've been to Calvary more than once. So you kinda know who we are, what our culture is as a church, and the answer to that question is yes, I do speak in tongues. It's actually really a very important part of my life. And when Paul says that you pray in the spirit, there is a gift that God gives to us that enables us to connect with God in key moments of our lives in a way that goes outside of what our minds or our mouths can naturally understand. Let me give you a for instance. Paul is talking about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And look, when I talk about these things, I only want to tell you what scripture says, not not just what what my theology or some goofball says, right? Some goofball who loves Jesus, but you know what I mean, right? (laughs) We We did a video just this week that you can find if you go to YouTube. If you want to learn more about this, what do we believe as a church? Or maybe you're sitting there going, Chad, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm interested. My heart rate actually picks up a little bit because I know there's something more I need from God in my life. So we did a video this week, if you go to YouTube, you can find it on our Toledo Calvary channel and it's just just titled, What About Tongues? We talk about what scripture says about this. Let me give you a, a, a little snapshot into that. First Corinthians 14, two. Paul says, he's writing to the church in Corinth, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them they utter mysteries by the Spirit. I love how the the message, which is another kind of paraphrase or translation, does this same verse. If you praise God in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. This is interesting, because some of your experience with tongues may have been public, and this same chapter teaches on that, and we're not gonna go into that, but there's also a private experience just between you and God, that God understands you but no one else does for you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. It's a hotline. It's a connection right between you and God. And it's powerful. If you remember several, several weeks back, I told a story about when I was the new pastor here and I had this unsolvable situation and I just had to pray and ask God for help. And when I sought God and prayed in the spirit, I walked away from that time of just between me and God, not only having the knowledge of what I needed to do, but also having the courage to do it. Do you you have anybody in your life that you can communicate with without words? Like there's certain people that it's just eye contact, that's all I need. If I look at Rhonda and she looks at me and we have this moment where we make that eye contact, I know exactly if I'm in trouble or not. Anybody? (laughs) Right? I know. In that moment, right, just you, 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 can com- you can say whole sentences with just a connection of the eyes. And there is a power when we pray in the spirit. Just a couple weeks ago, God, I don't know what to do. And God, I don't know how to figure this out. And God, I know I can't do it on my own. But when I found myself communicating with God in this, well Chad, isn't that supernatural? I like to think it's naturally super. And when I communicate with him in that way, there is something powerful that happens, which takes me back to this. For who I am, for where I live, and for the things that are ahead, I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. That's been, that's been the whole point of these last eight weeks that the Holy Spirit, our help is in the Holy Spirit. If you are looking for help in your life on a daily basis, our help is in the Holy Spirit. He's our advocate, he comes alongside of us. He gives us courage for our calling, wisdom for leadership, eyes for expansion, the heart of a seeker, discernment for direction, clarity for the culture, weapons for our warfare. He helps us eliminate the excuses in our lives, and I don't know about you, but I need his help. Anybody else? Can I show you one other thing though? (laughs) Ephesians chapter four, verse 30. This is another opportunity where Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You ever grieved anybody? Like where you knew what you said hurt their feelings or you knew how you acted, actually put distance between you and the, anybody know what I'm talking about? He says, look, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says, look, I know this is hard. And I know life's not easy. And I know things aren't perfect. But the Spirit comes and the work of the Spirit is actually to remind you that you're not in the best of times yet. The best of times, the day of redemption is ahead and the Spirit is just a reminder that the Spirit who comes alongside of you now is the Spirit you will be with in a perfect world for eternity. So the Holy Spirit isn't just our help, our hope is in the Holy Spirit. And so if you are in a place where you're tired and weary and feel hopeless, do you know what you need? You need the Holy Spirit. If you are looking for a new season in your life, then you need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. Roman Robrecht is a photographer from the Netherlands. He's kind of made a name for himself in uh, just some pretty impressive photography that he's done. And One of his latest projects was to go to Italy, and he traveled the countryside, and he visited a hundred different churches and photographed them the key was these are all churches that are now abandoned fascinating beautiful photography let me show you a couple of these pictures this this is one where you can see at one point this was just a beautiful altar area that was there and now you've got rubble that's fallen and you've got the 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 greenery that's actually literally growing up out of the floor This next one is is really interesting because you've got, again, a place where there's been destruction as the roof has caved in and what once was a great cathedral now has a tree growing up here right in the middle of it. Last last one, again, real clear picture, the roof has fallen in, a place that was once filled with worship and people in a tangible presence of God now is empty and rubble and has just wild brush growing at the heart of it I was fascinated when I saw those pictures and then I was reminded that first Corinthians chapter six says that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and I don't ever want these pictures to be a symbol of what's happened in your life or mine I don't ever want to get to a place where I have dismissed the Spirit's work in my life And what happens internally inside of me instead is rubble and wild growth when it's meant to be a place that's filled with God's presence, his spirit, and his power. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me today? And as you do, I'm gonna invite you just to maybe bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. In A1, in A2, watching on a screen somewhere, listening to the podcast. Would you just take a moment and maybe evaluate what does your temple look like? Are you filled with the Spirit? Or has it been more abandoned inside? Look, let me talk to a couple different groups of people. One is, very simply, maybe you'd say, Chad, I I don't just need to be filled with the spirit. I need my whole life to change. I need forgiveness. I need hope. And the more I know, the more I know that I need Jesus. No better time than right now for you to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I can't do this on my own anymore. I need your forgiveness. I need you to bring meaning to my life. And so I give my life to you. If, if that's you, I wouldn't wait another second right where you are. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. There's also probably more than a few of us who would just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. In the place where I live right now, the things that I have ahead, I can't do it on my own. And Holy Spirit, I need you. And real simple, kind of in a moment of just vulnerability, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? You just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Now more than ever, the things are in my life. Yeah, anybody else, hands all over. Anybody else, Holy Spirit, I need you, I need you. Here's what we're gonna do. Nothing weird or strange, but we're gonna sing a very simple song that just says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And as we sing this, I would encourage you to lift your hands. I would encourage you to lift your voice. I would encourage you to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. And I would encourage you with this. If you just raised a hand, or maybe you know you should have, I, I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat. I know it's a full room, but we're all friends. We'll, we'll, we'll make a way for you to step out of your seat. And in Auditorium 1, that you'd come here to the front. In Auditorium 2, you can move to the front of that room. And just find a place to come and stand here. Chad, why do I gotta do that? Can't the Holy Spirit meet me where I am? Absolutely he can. But I'm convinced that sometimes a spiritual experience requires a physical response. But sometimes I've just gotta put myself in a place and say, Holy Spirit, I have come to meet you here. So we're gonna, we're, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna close this out with a little prayer here and then Pastor Pindle and the team are gonna, are gonna begin to lead this song. And as they do, if you would say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Would you come and just find a place to stand? We'll pray together here in just a moment. It may be that you want to grab your spouse by the hand and say, for where we are right now, we need the Spirit. It may may be that you've never responded in a way like this before, but you just say, today, I've got to do that. If you're watching on a screen somewhere, maybe you, you stand or you kneel or you find some kind of way to put yourself in a posture to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Father, thanks for your word thank you that you've given us the gift of your holy spirit spirit we need you so we invite you in this place holy spirit you are welcome here in jesus name amen would you come as we sing this together
1: there's nothing worth more that could ever come close Nothing can compare you're our living hope Your presence, Lord I've tasted and seen Of uh, the sweetest of love Where my heart becomes free and my shame is entered, yeah. it's your presence, Lord, my God,
2: holy spirit, you are welcome here, come flood this place and fill the atmosphere, your glory overcome by your presence, Lord, and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere, Lord,
1: of your goodness let us become more aware of your
0: presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let's just do that for a moment i'd invite everyone to lift your hands if you're comfortable especially those of you here at the front would you just begin to do that with your own Spirit, with your own mouth would you just begin to say Holy Spirit I need you Holy Spirit I need you just take a moment and ask him you know what you need from him you know what you're asking for right now in this moment would you just say Holy Spirit would you strengthen me would you give me wisdom God would you help me thank you Lord let the Spirit speak to you in this moment thank you Lord Thank you, Jesus. God, would you strengthen us? Would you empower us? Holy Spirit, would you help us? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, some of us need wisdom. God, we don't know what to do. And some of us need you to reveal some things to us so we can see them the way they really are. So spirit of wisdom, would you come and do what only you can do? And Lord, in some of us, there is a chaos that is raging. It's external, it's internal, it's real. So right now, spirit of peace, would you come and bring that peace that goes beyond our understanding? For the one who feels alone, maybe even has thought nobody cares, that they don't matter, that they're doing this thing by themselves, would you, Holy Spirit, show them right now that you your presence lives in us and that with you we are never alone. Lord, for the one whose tank is on empty today, the one that's standing at the front or knows they should be because they just feel drained and depleted in their spirit. They're not just tired, they're empty. Holy Spirit, right now, would you fill them with power? Would you fill them with strength? Lord, for the one who's watching tension and conflict seem to pull things apart at the seams, would you remind them that you are the spirit of unity? And in Jesus' name, we believe that you're gonna bring things back together. Lord, for the one who's been fighting today's battles in the old way would you give them a fresh anointing for today Lord would you fill us with your spirit would you help us to know you Holy Spirit be our help and be our hope may you not be foreign to us but may we walk step by step in the spirit of God. One more time, would you just begin to lift your voice? Tell him of your need for him. All throughout this room, all, all, everybody just begin to tell him, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you, Spirit. I need your power. I need your help. Holy Spirit, let us know your presence.
1: Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience
2: Goodness, let us be Yeah
0: Uh, dispel a myth real quick I need to put a little rumor to bed there's this notion out there that the Holy Spirit only lives at 1360 Conant Street have you heard that? (laughs) but he doesn't and whatever he did in your heart in this room in this service today he doesn't just want to do it here he wants you to walk in the Spirit He wants you to meet you where you are. I have had moments in my life where I have been at an altar and known the Spirit of God, which don't even compare to times when He's met me in a car or a bedroom or the most unlikely of places. And He will meet you where you are if you'll be willing to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. There's been moments where He's surprised me and said, Chad, Don't you say that, anybody? (laughs) And there's been moments where he said, I'm right here with you. I'll give you the anointing you need in this moment you're in. And so don't leave what he's done in your life in this moment in time, because he's not staying here. He's everywhere. And he wants to be with you. Heavenly Father, thanks for your spirit. Lord, some of my friends are gonna step out of this room and into their week, and they're gonna quickly be reminded that they need you. So God, I pray you wouldn't let them forget that you are our friend, our comforter, our helper, our counselor, our advocate, and that you're right there with us. As we go from here, would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Encourage one another before you go. The Spirit might wanna speak through you to someone else. We'll see you Thursday for the Passion Experience, Good Friday services again Saturday and Sunday for Easter. Have a great week. Thanks for being here.